when I was 23, I was in India and I met a very wonderful sage, someone who exuded a peace and radiance that startled me and also filled me with peace. And I remember going to his temple and staying there for quite some time. And I used to look forward to going into the small area where he sat in front of this fire, keeping the fire alive. It was part of his practice to always keep the fire element alive as a symbol of being in the state of awakening and dispelling all the poisons. And I used to come full of questions, a long list of questions. I'd sit there and I would just soak in that energy. And all my questions just dissolved. Because what I was seeing was the answer. What I was feeling was the answer. What I was knowing was the answer. So there was nothing left to ask. So why don't we try that? (laughs) (laughs) So just going to the silence of the mind and not being caught up with questions or answers. Just seeing what we're seeing. From the moment it arises and as it is sustained to the moment it falls away, whether it's the breath or the body, feelings, sensations, or mind states, or pure consciousness itself, at either any of the sense media or a pure consciousness, the knowing mind, and observe and know what we see exactly as it is, not through some cognitive process of interpretation, opinion, preference, like, dislike, attraction, aversion, not through the hindrances, not through desiring more, wishing it would go away, thinking about the future, or how terrible a life we've lived, and on and on and on. Not thinking, but just present, being, being with. And through that simple, clear, unobstructed, unpolluted, undiluted, unproliferating, almost embryonic wisdom, we we know the truth unfolding before us. Is there anything else to know? We just take one sip of that, breath by breath, 
until it reveals itself to us. This revelation is internal, invisible, quite private, we think. But in fact, you know, the Buddha himself did this and touched the truth with his own mind. And so can we. But in order to do that, we have to really follow his instructions and not be belligerent and think we can do this our own way. We may have more creativity around instructions that are given to us by others. But if we hear the instructions of the Buddha from the canon, they're very clear, very precise. We shouldn't play with them too much, nor omit any steps, nor protest, nor beg to differ until we have fully explored the different steps asked of us, given to us. We must proceed slowly, wholeheartedly, attentively, pure-heartedly, developing the generosity of heart, the virtue, the stillness in the mind, and then receiving the gift of wisdom, the gift of a love and compassion that are boundless, a joy, an empathy that is boundless, an equanimity that is profound, that is boundless and unshakable. These are the, the gifts, the results of our own efforts, not of someone else's effort, our own effort. We try a little bit. We get impatient a lot. Our impatience can be a hindrance because we are used to wanting in the wrong way, in the worldly way. Just like we want the light to turn green, we can't wait to get through an intersection. But on this path, there are many intersections, and we must wait at each one and see what is the state of the mind what kind of traffic is going through it? How do we direct ourselves? How do we proceed? How do we treat others? How do we treat ourselves? And then mindfully we go along, even if we poke along. 
You know the story of the turtle and the hare. So the turtle also arrives just steadfast, unrelentingly, going along, doing the work with this sweet shell over its back. And this shell is a protection because it has a soft belly. So the Dhamma, I, and the mindful practice, and sila, faith, right effort, a love, loving kindness and care, compassionate manner and way of heart, empathetic and wise and skillful. These are our guardians, our virtue is a great adornment of speech and conduct, but also of the mind, of purifying our intention. We have lived for such a long time, untrained, misdirected, misguided, rushing through the intersections of our lives. And so we developed a lot of impatience but for us to proceed well on this path, we have to just move with care, with peace, with prudence, with patience, with good perspective on everything around us, not mindful just in one direction, but north, south, east, west, north, east, northwest, south, east, southwest, above and below. All directed mindfulness and wisdom, wisely knowing and seeing, picking up objects and abandoning them when we see this is poison, this is harmful to myself and others. This is how we see the way, this is how the way develops under our feet. No one else can develop it for us. We can listen to a thousand Tama talks and not develop the way under our own feet. And we have so many ideas and they still remain just thoughts flowing into consciousness and out again. But to bring those beautiful qualities to life, to bear in our own lives. This is the way.
And then, of course, there are questions. When we have doubt, we're uncertain. To have a friend, a Kalyanamita, is a lovely, the loveliest friend to say, oh, go straight. Keep absolutely straight. Or go slightly right. Go up a little bit. And here, go down. This is a great help. So yes, loving-kindness is a very important quality to develop when we have fear. But unless we can first know that we are overwhelmed by, subdued by, encountering that which is fearful and trying to see it for what it is, until we actually know what it is, and know the unreality of it. Do we have enough strength of mind and force of intention to move the heart to non-fear? And once we can do that, we are already in the domain of metta. We are already practicing generosity to ourselves and to others by being in the domain of non-fear, abandoning anger, abandoning resentment or envy, abandoning miserliness, stinginess, abandoning greed, abandoning or harboring ill will, these are the steps, process, slow process. These are the steps that lead the mind to open, opening. Like when you open the windows of a room and bring in the fresh air. Then you can breathe. The fresh air, the stale air disappears. We breathe a fresh So when we have trust and confidence, then we can really develop, generate, radiate a quality of love and kindness and grow it. And it is a protection of the mind. So when there is a feeling of anger, we overcome it through that generosity of heart, which is loving, forgiving, gentle. It's like the quality of a mother. The boundless quality of loving-kindness is the image, the metaphor the Buddha uses is the love of a mother or a father.
parent, a guardian. Watching over his or her child, even at the sacrifice of her own well-being. It's a boundless love. It's unconditional. So when we come to these intersections in our life, it's important for us to see what we're actually engaged with in the moment. How are we picking up the moment? How do we stand in the moment? Are we upset? Or are we peaceful? Are we virtuous or deceitful? Are we wise or are we foolish? With as much wisdom as we have developed up to that point, we must check in frequently and restrain ourselves in the way of Dhamma. Otherwise the mind just grows more unruly and more untrainable to our detriment. But if we are living with diligence and care, connected to the Triple Gem, intent on developing the Eightfold Path, we can rejoice day by day. We will observe the results. Our questions will be answered. we will feel very blessed. 